Welcome to The Resonance, the podcast about the energy industry from Alpha Energy Group. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Alpha Energy Group podcast. I'm Jeremy Nicholson, Corporate Affairs Officer at Alpha, and I'm here today joined by my colleague Nikki Wilson, our Carbon Compliance Manager, to talk about the Committee on Climate Change's latest progress report to Parliament, the 2020 report. Well, welcome to you, Nikki. Um, what's your thoughts about this and uh, what what might be interested in this enormous, I think, 196-page report that would be of interest to energy users? Hello, Jeremy. Um, I think as a starting point, the most um, companies who will be interested in this are those who are setting their net zero emissions target and looking at any indication of how legislation and technology is going to change to support or encourage that. Um, in addition, of course, there's a big focus at the moment on the need to drive an economic recovery as we come out of the coronavirus crisis and how that can be linked to a net zero transition and accelerating towards that goal. And there are an enormous number of measures here. I mean, the, the committee's there to, to advise a government and to report to Parliament in how we're doing against our carbon ambition uh, uh, you know, targets and so on. Uh, and they're quite complimentary about certain things that have happened. There's an awful lot that needs to be done. I think heat, heat and buildings are the two of the biggest areas that are flagged up in this report. What are they saying about that? Yes. Yeah, so for heat and buildings, what they're looking at is how to address the phasing out of, for example, gas boilers. So they're recommending that all new gas boilers are phased out by 2035 which isn't very far away, so that'll be of interest to everyone. And the big thing about heat is it hasn't had the same focus as other sectors. The, the wider economy as a whole, I guess, and, and particular power, power generation. So thinking of power generation, there's a tremendous reduction of emissions there, I think. Um, what sort of scale has been achieved in power and what will we have to do in, in heat to match it? Yes, yeah, so emissions from the power sector fell by 67% between 2008 and 2019. So that was due to some very um, clear set policies in place that brought about a reduction in um, generation from coal and an increase towards renewables. And what the CCC is calling for is a similar set of regulations for heat. Yes, and I guess this is an area where, where policy hasn't yet intruded to the quite the same extent or indeed raised costs to consumers. Uh, what I'm wondering, though, is that presumably for, for some uh, users of heat, in, whether in, in, in build, uh, buildings generally or in manufacturing, some of them can, can go down the, the electric route and replace gas boilers by electric heating, perhaps with heat pumps. Others might be interested in hydrogen as an alternative. What, what, what are the alternatives on hydrogen? Where will we get it from and what does the CC thing, see, think we ought to be looking at? Well, I think the ideal um, way of generating hydrogen is from renewables, which is known as green hydrogen. But at the moment, that can only be done on fairly small scale. And I think what um, people in the industry are looking at is certainly as an interim measure, developing what's known as blue hydrogen, which means you make the hydrogen from natural gas, from, from methane. Um, but the only thing about that is you have to somehow capture the emissions that you're taking out. And therefore, the CCC report is looking very heavily at focusing on carbon capture and storage to go alongside that. Indeed, and that's a, a technology we'll probably need for certain industrial processes like uh, steel and cement in, in any case. So it'll be interesting to see if there are some clusters that develop there. Uh, but I think one of their recommendations is that you mentioned that the gas boiler issue, but that 
that all new heating systems and I think uh, cars, not necessarily all vehicles, should be low carbon by 2030 to 2035. So presumably the policies will have to start be being put in place by government within the next few years if we're going to hit those sort of targets, wouldn't you say? Yes, I would say they're looking at most of these. When we look at the timeline, they're looking at most of these things being in place, having plans in place in the first half of the 2020s and a lot of them in the early 2020s. So that's going to come about very quickly. And certainly with transport, they need to look at doing, that's becoming more of a challenge because of the social distancing requirements at the moment. Um, but if they put charging, increased charging infrastructure in place for um, low carbon transport, what they need to do is make sure that the network itself can cope with that. I think that's a hugely important point because people often say, oh, well, the answer to this is, you know, we'll go for electrical vehicles and electrical heating and so on, an awful lot more renewables, uh, all of it very good idea. But that's going to put an enormous demand on our electricity networks that haven't been sized for anything like that larger load or of demand. We're, we're going to need um, that capacity in place uh, before the uh, increases in renewable energy production and the uh, increase in demand start affecting the system. So presumably this is another area where the CCC think the government and perhaps the regulator need to take action quite soon. Yeah, so looking at developing a strategy for interconnect interconnectors, offshore networks and strengthening the um, distribution network from 2021. So that is very soon. In climate terms, that's almost tomorrow. Uh, yeah. And it's interesting, uh, it's not just on onshore uh, uh, connections that are needed, it's offshore uh, it, it connections to, to other electricity markets, but also to bring offshore wind, uh, on which we're increasing reliant uh, in, into our system here. I mean, uh, you may have some figures on this, but the, the cost of offshore wind has come down dramatically, hasn't it, in, in recent years, and has become a lot more cost competitive. Yes, that's right. So in 2014, offshore wind cost approximately 140 to 150 pounds a megawatt hour for new projects, but now they're down to around 40 pounds a megawatt hour, which I think was something we didn't expect to reach very quickly, certainly. Indeed. And there are some other costs, of course, associated with accommodating that, you know, need for more flexibility in the system and so on. But it's a dramatic cost reduction, which I guess is a, a reassurance to consumers and, and environmentalists wondering about whether we're going to hit the targets. Um, and you mentioned, I think, earlier on, Link, you know, the CCC, uh, obviously, uh, they're, they're producing this report in, in the context of this awful coronavirus crisis, which hopefully we're starting to emerge from. Uh, what do they say about that? Do they see that as a, a problem or an opportunity? And how can, you know, some of these, uh, how can we ensure we have a green recovery, if that's the right way of putting it? Well, I think they see it as an opportunity because... Um if we're looking at an economic recovery, we need to do that anyway, and therefore it's an opportunity to link it to the net zero transition and perhaps look at any bailouts linking low carbon conditions to those bailouts and making sure that any development of in infrastructure has the long term low carbon commitment in mind. I think that's going to be increasingly important. We've heard similar things, of course, elsewhere in Europe as part of their Green Deal. The, the, the idea that if we're going to pump public money into infrastructure and so on, let's make sure it meets our environmental goals. Easier said than done, I guess. 
So, you know, having having produced this enormous report, which you and I've been wading through, what's what's the next step? So can we expect government to say something about this to Parliament soon? Yes, I believe the government will need to issue a response to Parliament to show how and what they're going to do on this. Um, I would have thought by the end of the year. And we were expecting an energy white paper anyway, and that's somewhat uh, overdue and, and unsurprisingly been delayed in the circumstances. Presumably the sort of scope of what the government will have to go uh, talk about will go rather rather beyond that because this is a, hu- a huge report covering the whole economy. So uh, I guess we would hear more about legislation on transport and, and heat in due course. Is that right? Yes, that's right. And there's also the national infrastructure strategy. So those could all link together, hopefully. Well, that's a, it's, it's a nice idea of linked together government. I'm not sure we've, we've always succeeded in having that in the past, but certainly if we're going to hit these uh, ambitious carbon targets, we're going to need a bit more of that. So, Nikki, thank you very much for your insights into this. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see the government response and others to this uh, hugely important report from the Committee on Climate Change. Um, and if you'd like to find out more about this or related subjects or to read any of our reports, uh, please have a look at our website, alphaenergygroup.com forward slash UK. And I hope you're able to join us again for a podcast soon.